This is a special edition of Faith in Action entitled Sons of Melchizedek, where we welcome priests from the Archdiocese of Indianapolis and the Diocese of Lafayette in Indiana to tell us their vocation stories. We are so grateful to and thankful for our priests as they serve us and bring us the sacraments daily. Before we introduce today's special guest priest, we'd like to pray for you, Father. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the gift of our priests. Through them, we experience your presence in the sacraments. Help our priests to be strong in their vocation. Set their souls on fire with love for your people. Grant them the wisdom, understanding, and strength they need to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. We ask this through Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns as our eternal priest. Amen. Welcome, Father John Johnson of the Archdiocese of Louisville, preaching at St. Elizabeth Ann Seton Parish in Carmel, Indiana, as a retired priest. Pleasure to be with you today. Tell us a little bit about how long you've been here, Father. Well, here in uh, Indianapolis area in Noblesville, I moved here a year ago from Louisville. Uh, I uh, retired as a priest in the Archdiocese of Louisville and moved here, so I've been here for a year living in this area. I've been here at uh, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton uh, from, since uh, the 29th of uh, June, and so I've just started my ministry here. However, I've been a supply priest working in both uh, the Archdiocese of Indianapolis and uh, the Diocese of Lafayette for the last year. So I've been in many parishes throughout both dioceses. So you have a kind of an interesting story that I'm going to delve into a little bit here. Um, this is Gordon Smith, and I'm talking to Father John Johnson today of the Archdiocese of Louisville, on loan, uh, semi-permanently, I guess, as a retired priest uh, and preaching and ministering to the parishioners at St. Elizabeth Ann Seton Parish in Carmel. You came up here for an unusual reason, and it's um, one that most priests wouldn't have. It, it had to do with grandchildren, didn't yeah, it? Yes, indeed. Uh, when I retired, uh, I uh, was asked by my son if um, my wife and I would come up and help with the grandkids so that they he could finish some of his uh, education. And uh, I said, well, first I've got to get permission from uh, uh, my archbishop first. I mean, I can't say yes or no at this time, but I went saw uh, Archbishop uh, Kurtz and uh, told him I was wanting to retire uh, to, to uh, Noblesville, Indiana, and I would like his permission to do that. And he graciously uh, gave me permission to uh, retire and to move here to Noblesville to be with my, my son and uh, his wife and my grandkids. Now that brings up another question. You, I started with grandkids, but you said, mentioned a wife. You are a married priest. I thought priests were all celibate and and uh, never married, and or if they were married, maybe they became a priest after their wife passed away. You have a different path. How did that work? Well, it started, um, well, the reason for uh, married priests in the, in, the, in the Roman church is because of, of uh, St. John Paul II. And uh, given the opportunity of Anglican priests and Lutherans and some of that who are more liturgical to be able to come into uh, the Roman Church and, and serve 
uh, with their wives. And that is called the pastoral provision that was set up at that time. And uh, I came under that uh, provision. I, uh, to give you a little background, I, was, I grew up as a, a Methodist. And then from the Methodist Church, I uh, converted and became an Anglican or an Episcopalian. And then my journey led me uh, into the Roman Church. As a Methodist, I was at uh, uh, in seminary in uh, Asbury Theological Seminary in Wilmore, Kentucky. And uh, it was there at, uh, at Asbury uh, as I was studying uh, for my Master of Divinity. And I suddenly began to study uh, the Church Fathers, Church History, and Greek. And for me personally, that was uh, very interesting. And I began to see that the church was really a Catholic church and that it, it, was, it didn't just begin at the Reformation, but that the church actually went back to the apostles. And I began to uh, think, well, that's, a, like, that's like an epiphany that I had about the church being Catholic. And, and you, when you say Catholic, you mean big C Catholic or little C Catholic? I would say both <laughs> in some ways. And, uh, and I began to understand that uh, when I was studying Greek that uh, when Jesus said that uh, this is my body and this is my blood, he was referring uh, to literal language there, not symbolic language. And so for me, I began to say, hey, that's really transubstantiation that's going on there. And I began to share that with uh, some other Methodist pastors-to-be, and they thought um, that was not a good thing to talk about. <laughs> because well, that, that reading is hard, and how can, we, how can we believe that? Yeah. And that's what the apostles, some of the apostles said, right? That's correct, and they had a hard time understanding my new understanding about the Eucharist and how important it is. And, and um, one day one of them uh, told me, he says, you know, you're not a Methodist. You're either a Roman Catholic or you're an Episcopalian, and you need to go see Father Foppel. And I said, well, who's Father Foppel? And uh, he said, well, he's an Anglican priest, and he can help you to become where you need to be. <laughs> and I, I remember looking at him. I said, are you trying to get rid of me? <laughs> <laughs> so I went there, and uh, to make a long story short, I uh, was ordained a, an Episcopal priest. And... Uh, served the Episcopal Church for about 25 years. And where, where did you serve during that time of your life? Well, I was in, uh, of course, the uh, Diocese of Kentucky. And, of course, in the Anglican Church, you can go anywhere in the world. And I went to, uh, from there, I went to uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and served a parish there, and then to uh, Bakersfield, California, and then finally to uh, Miami Beach uh, in Florida, uh, before I made my journey home to Louisville uh, to make my uh, way into the Roman Catholic Church. So during that time, something happened, some dissatisfaction or something wasn't clicking, and you made a decision that the road that you had to take wasn't being totally fulfilled under the Anglican rite. What was that thought process for you, Father? Well, one of the problems that I was uh, experiencing at that time was that suddenly everything uh, 
uh, in the church was becoming more relative. And instead of uh, uh, holding on to the absolutes of the church and the faith, seemed to be uh, being misrepresented. And so for me, I began to think that, you know, uh, there is relativity, but there are absolutes as well, like the Trinity. That's an absolute. And uh, other uh, doctrines and faith that, that have been established for centuries, and we can't throw those things away. And for me, then, I, I knew that I needed to make a process uh, into uh, the Roman church, either as a layperson or as a priest. At that time, I was willing to be a layperson in the Roman church because of the authority that the Roman church has and the magisterium. And for me, all of that was very, very important. And because uh, there has to be stability and there has to be uh, authority that you have to follow. And so what helped to lead me into the Roman Church was the, uh, the authority that Jesus gave to the apostles. And I knew in my heart that the Roman Catholic Church was the real church that Jesus Christ established on this earth. On this rock I shall build my church, and you shall have the keys, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I know that part. Yes. So tell me a little bit about your family. Um, so, so this is such an unusual thing for cradle Catholics and Catholics that are not used to a married priest, because uh, there's not that many of you. I, I want to know about your wife and kids. Are, are they up here in Carmel and this area, Hamilton County? Well, I have one son and his wife and two uh, grandkids that live here. And then my wife, my wife, uh, her background is uh, she was a neonatal nurse for about 35 years and uh, worked in hospitals uh, through uh, wherever we we moved. And um, she is, uh, uh, has been a, uh, I guess you could say, a professional there uh, as a nurse. Uh, saving babies, and that's been something that's been very important to her. Oh, sure, surely, especially in this climate right now and what our legislature is doing or not doing uh, right as we speak. Um, Tell me about the seminary, because when you came in uh, under the pastoral provision, uh, you couldn't just show up one day and convert to Catholicism, take your... your, um, your statement of faith, when when you'd made the conversion, you had to go back to seminary and right. learn how to be a Catholic priest, uh, even though you were trained in the Methodist tradition and then in the Anglican tradition. Well, first of all, um, I went and I approached uh, Archbishop Kelly, who was the archbishop there in the Archdiocese of Louisville, uh, telling him that I was wanting to convert to uh, to the Roman Church. And I asked him, I said, could you use a, a, an Anglican priest? And I remember he looked at me and he said, you know, I think I can. And that kind of opened the door uh, for me to be able to start thinking in the process that, uh, because you have to have a, an archbishop or a bishop to agree to ordain you uh, if that process is going to take place. And I was received into the Roman Catholic Church on a feast of St. Francis on October the 4th, uh, 2006. 
And then uh, as a year later, I had to do the, the process, some other processing. And then I started seminary in 2008 at uh, St. Meinrad Seminary in St. Meinrad, uh, Indiana. Oh, very good. We're well familiar with St. Meinrad. Many of our priests have been there, and uh, many of our deacons take classes there. Um, and I take it then that St. Francis is one of your favorite uh, saints. Yes, indeed. Uh, actually, when I was uh, an Anglican priest, I was a third order Franciscan. Oh, really? Yeah, for for uh, most of my ministry. And but when I became an archdiocesan priest, uh, I had to kind of give that up a little bit. But I still have an affinity for St. Francis. Oh, very season. good. Uh, this is Gordon Smith, and we are in the show called Sons of Melchizedek. I'm interviewing Father John Johnson of the Archdiocese of Louisville today, and we'll be back in just a few minutes. You're listening to Catholic Radio Indy, converting the culture to Christ through radio, featuring 100% Catholic programming 24-7. Do your friends a favor. Tell them about Catholic Radio Indy. The first radio station signed on back in the 1930s. And wow, people could get news without having to wait for the next day's newspaper and hear great entertainment right in their living rooms. Uh, But then in the late 40s, television came along. And since it could add visual content, well, that would probably kill off radio. But it didn't. In the 70s, satellite radio, 8-track tapes and cassettes, and the Walkman came along. Surely one of these would kill off radio. But they didn't. Now there's streaming on computers, podcasts, Alexa, and smartphones that put the world at your fingertips. And you know what? Radio is still here. In fact, a recent survey of people aged 18 and up showed that on a monthly basis, radio reached more people than television, including time-shifted TV. And for audio programming, more people than smartphones, PC, Alexa, or tablets. When you support Catholic Radio Indy, you're supporting a powerful tool that has the potential to reach over one million people every day with the message of salvation. If you're one of our donors, thank you very much. If you haven't joined our family of donors yet, Today would be a good day to do that. Just go to catholicradioindy.org and click on the donate button. That's catholicradioindy.org. And thank you for your support. An interview with Father Trenton Rauch and his story on how Catholic Radio influenced his vocation. I was not struck uh, by lightning and knocked off my horse. I had a lot of time driving in the car listening the radio and I just got to a point where I would prefer to listen to something that would be intellectually stimulating and um, at the same time I was learning about the faith particularly the apologetics Catholic radio building faith building vocations you can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy welcome back this is Gordon Smith and I am with Catholic Radio Indy, and we are talking to Father John Johnson today of the Archdiocese of Louisville, currently stationed at St. Elizabeth Ann Seton in the Diocese of Lafayette in Indiana as a retired priest, a retired married priest, and that's one of the reasons he's up here. He's had a, a very unusual conversion story and reversion story and a, a lot of interesting history that comes along with that. Not many people understand about the 
um, way he came into the church, which was through the pastoral provision provided for by Pope John Paul II, St. Pope John Paul II, about 40 years ago. There's also another method that Episcopal priests or Anglican priests can can come into the church, and that's called the ordinariate of the chair of St. Peter, and that's when a pastor and his entire flock come in at the same time. Uh, There are many of those, uh, and their bishop is in Houston, I believe, right, Father? Uh, San Antonio, I think that's where it's at, I think. Uh, But that's not your path. You came in in a different way. You came in through the Methodist Church originally, and then also became an Anglican priest after that, or pastor, pastor, I should say, or yes. is it priest or pastor in the Anglican it's Church? It's uh, father, priest, okay. they use uh, the same term, yeah. Okay, and then sometimes can't tell what our path is and who might affect that. Do you have any interesting stories that might illuminate your path and, and what changed uh, course there? Yes, uh, I'd like to share this with you. After I was ordained uh, an Episcopal priest, uh, one of the things that I was uh, required to do was to take a week after that and uh, go on a retreat. And I had decided to go to the to Bardstown, Kentucky, to the Sisters of Charity in Nazareth, there, Kentucky, to have a, take a retreat. And while I was there, uh, I had a wonderful time and. Uh, we were been being taken me and there were some other priests that were there taken care of by uh, the sisters but there was this one little sister who was uh, very gentle very kind she walked up to me one day and said father john i am so glad that you are an episcopal priest this is wonderful what uh, god is doing uh, in your life but i want you to know that from this day forward i am going to pray that you become a Roman Catholic priest. And when she said that, I said, oh, no, 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 sister. Please don't do that. I just started. And so uh, I know in my heart uh, I would not be sitting here today if it weren't for the prayers of this little Catholic nun who I guess God gave her a little vision about me and uh, the possibilities of of, uh, becoming a Catholic priest. And we don't know the time or the place or what the circumstances, what we say or don't say, how that can affect people. But that certainly is something that was very important in her life. And and she she may still be out there. She may have passed on. But you know, you were in her prayers for years and years. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Uh, Tell me, what is your favorite Bible quote or story? And you've already alluded to John 6.54. I, I really uh, I really love uh, uh, John chapter 14 where Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. And uh, I think that for me, I, I try to make my faith simple. And I, uh, I try to uh, keep things simple. I don't try to make them complex. Uh, I try to uh, uh, pray as much as I possibly can uh, every day because priests are to be men of prayer and uh, having uh, time and opportunity to spend with Jesus and and Mary and the Holy Family uh, for me has been very enlightening and and I appreciate uh, how God has revealed to me uh, 
um, how we can uh, step into that place of uh, talking to the to the Holy Family. Well, the Holy Family was important for Jesus and his parents. Uh, this last weekend was Grandparents' Day, and um, proclaimed by. Um, Pope Francis, I think, a few years ago. So you had a special blessing that day as yes, well. Yes, I sure did. Um, tell me one of the things that you like for folks to do that are your parishioners in your whole career here, um, things that are helpful for you, and maybe also things that maybe aren't so helpful for you. Well, one of the things that I've tried to do as a priest, uh, you know, as I was a pastor, is to get people to uh, uh, talk to each other and to uh, be open to ministry from each other. And uh, people have a tendency to come to Mass and uh, not know who the person is on the right or left side. And we're called to live in community. And living in community means that we are engaged with our brothers and sisters. And what I've done in the past, I've, been, I've had it where I would say, okay, now I want you to look at the person on the left and look at the person on the right and remember them in your prayers this week. And, oh, nice. Uh, That's very nice. Yeah, and I, I have had many, many people say to me, uh, thank you uh, for doing that, Father, because I really was asking God to help me uh, through a struggle that I'm going through now. It made me feel good because I felt like people were praying for me. Sure, and yeah. and that's a realization that we all put on our trousers one leg at a time, exactly. and we all share in the same community and the same problems, and um, it, it's important that we recognize that. Uh, tell me about the belief in God. Some people don't believe in God, and they come to church anyway. Some people don't believe in the Holy Eucharist. Uh, that's been a, a thing that has been bothering a lot of people lately as the maybe only 30 percent of the folks out there believe in transubstantiation that that's the body blood soul and divinity of our lord jesus on the altar that that you perform the miracle for and we're coming upon a, a eucharistic revival here in the next couple of years there's going to be a lot of emphasis on the holy eucharist so tell tell me about how we can help people to understand that better and um and bring that home in their belief system. Well, as I shared with you in the beginning, is that what brought me into the uh, Catholic Church was really my sudden epiphany of what transubstantiation was all about, and that it was the literal body and blood of Christ. And it was something that was given to us by Jesus to help us in our lives daily. That's why people are called upon to go to Mass uh, every week, every Sunday, so that they can receive Jesus uh, in uh, his, his bodily form so that that can help them to go out into the world and, and share uh, the love of Christ with people. And, uh, and having that relationship uh, uh, with him and understanding that uh, this is holy, that this is a holy act, and that we're receiving the holiness of God into our lives, for me has been uh, just, it's transformed me, you know. The Eucharist is really what really transformed my life, 
uh, to make it to what it is today. And uh, and I, um, uh, I, I'm saddened when I hear people uh, just look at it in terms of symbolic. And, uh, and what that does, it takes away the nature. It takes away the power uh, they're trying because there's power in the Eucharist. And uh, it's an anointing that, that God gives to you when you receive this. And uh, even though that you can't maybe experience something in that moment, there's all kinds of graces that are taking place within you when you receive Christ. And, uh, and then suddenly as you journey in your life, you suddenly have this extra strength. And you say, where did that come from? Where did I get that? Well, it's because you were faithful going to church. You were faithful going to Mass. You were faithful receiving the Eucharist. And uh, it's a, something that is just uh, vital. It's vital to the church and vital to Catholics in, in particular. We become a tabernacle um, at the moment we receive the Holy Eucharist. And that lasts for a good amount of time afterwards when we receive that grace. So uh, we are so appreciative of your efforts to perform that miracle for us on the altar. Yes. And I'm grateful that you're a priest. We are so thankful for our priests. Uh, this is Gordon Smith, and I'm talking today to Father John Johnson of the Archdiocese of Louisville, but stationed at St. Elizabeth Ann Seton Parish in Carmel, Indiana. Thank you so much for all of your comments about the Eucharist. I, I do have a closing question before we conclude this interview, and that is there are uh, several other sacraments that you are uh, performing that were instituted by Jesus, and um, what is your next favorite sacrament? Baptism. Baptism. Yes, I, I, I enjoy baptizing babies and adults because, you know, that's, that's where it all begins. Sure. You know, it's that brings you into the church. Right, and uh, when you when you see a little baby getting baptized, and you're knowing that they are now surrounded by their family here on earth and their family there in heaven, and the journey begins. The sure. journey begins. It opens the door for all the other sacraments, for sure. Uh, Father John Johnson of the Archdiocese of Louisville, thank you for coming into our program today. Sons of Melchizedek. Would you close in a prayer for us today? Sure, I would love to. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the presence of your your Holy Spirit in our lives. We thank you for those who are, uh, are listening to our voices today. And we want to encourage them, Lord, to know that you are with them and that you're going to help them through their struggles. Whatever they may be going through right now, whatever problems that they now face, Lord, let them know that this is not the end, but the beginning. Bless and keep them, Lord, and keep us as well. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father Johnson. We appreciate your, your efforts and your prayers today, and we look forward to uh, seeing you in Mass. You've been listening to a special edition of Faith in Action entitled Sons of Melchizedek. Join us again next time when we'll feature another priest from the area. If you are interested in having your priest appear on this show, please contact us at Catholic Radio Indy.